This is a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z-Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I am your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And I know, I know, I promised last week, at least I promised I'd try to do a COVID-free show this week. Well, I can't. (laughs) Sorry. Some stuff has happened. I have some observations to make, and I'm going to make them. Um, Okay, so bear with me. It's, It's... it's what we're all thinking about these days in the in the world and uh, I know I've said this before that uh, you know hopefully some somebody be listening to this and it's it's three years from now five years from now whatever it is and they'll say oh yeah wasn't that a time and I will say that this is something I do tell people and I've said it to you guys as well that uh, hopefully that person who is listening to the show years down the line, if they find it, if it's out there somewhere, that they listen to the show and they say, uh, instead of saying, man, we didn't do enough, they say, boy, did we overreact. I'd rather that be the case, that we say we overreacted than we didn't do enough uh, in regards to the to the COVID-19 that has, uh, has kept us, kept the world in its grip for... What, since, what, last December? November, December, something like that? So, well, first uh, I'm going to talk about um, the protesters. Uh, you're probably aware that, and I think I may have mentioned them in passing last week, but there's been, there's been a number of uh, demonstrations throughout the country of, uh, of protesters that want this lockdown, that want the stay-at-home, shelter-at-home rules lifted so that everybody can go back to work and let's all get back to normal. Um, and before I get too far into this, and this is something that I, I, when I was listening back to last week's show, I thought, oh, I should have said something along these lines, is that with what I'm going to talk about coming up, I know it's a little easier for me to to hold the position that I have because I'm not unemployed. I'm still working through this. I work for a janitorial service. We're considered essential. I work in the office during the day. You guys know this. I'm there by myself all day long, so I'm self-isolating as far as that goes. But a couple nights a week, I'm cleaning buildings. One night a week, I'm checking on buildings. And I, I was cleaning a building earlier tonight. 
So I'm still working. Uh, the comic book job, I've been furloughed from that. The store's been closed. And uh, the, I guess just today, uh, the, the owner of the store um, has started the, maybe we should start figuring out a way to reopen. Because that's sort of going on around the country right now. When can we start reopening? So I will listen to the scientists. Um, I will, you know, our governor, Tim Waltz here in Minnesota, he's listening to the scientists. And let's hope the other governors in other states are doing that too, although some of the southern states um, are doing some reopening. And it seems like some of the not-too-wise things to reopen, like, uh, uh, like gyms and tattoo parlors, seems like that, that people might get a little too close to each other in those situations. It's going to make social distancing difficult, physical distancing difficult. So anyway, that's. Oh, I want to make sure that I realize that because I'm not unemployed, it might be a little easier for me to say, hey, you know, shelter at home. You know, if I were unemployed, I would still be going with the science. It just wouldn't be as easy. All right. Uh, some of this I may have mentioned last week, but these protesters that are going around, what we're going to see happen, and we're within, a, at this point, I think we're within a few days, a week, maybe two, uh, we're going to start getting stories about people who have showed up at these protests. They're going to be getting sick. Uh, it's just, it's, I think it's inevitable. I'm not, again, I'm not a virologist. I'm not an epidemiologist. I'm not a scientist in any way. Uh, so I can't say these things with complete authority, but it seems to make sense that from what I've seen of the images and uh, still photos and video images that I've seen in the news and on social media, these people are getting close to each other. They're not, you know, some of them are wearing masks. Which makes me think, okay, are you wearing the mask to protect yourself from the virus or others from it? Or are you wearing the mask to hide your identity? Seems like if you're doing it because of the COVID, seems like you're sending mixed messages. <laughs> I, I, which do you want? But because they don't seem to be calling for reasonable reopening. They just let's go give me liberty or give me death is one of the signs that a woman was holding out in front of a Baskin Robbins it was just an interesting juxtaposition to where she was holding the sign I don't think she's holding that sign because she wants to get ice cream from Baskin and Robbins and maybe she can still get the ice cream from there it's just a curbside pickup kind of thing I'm not sure but um, I think her sign should be edited a little bit should be changed altered just a little bit instead of saying give me liberty or give me death it probably should say give me liberty and give me death because that's the nature of this disease uh, and maybe we're overreacting but wouldn't you rather be overreacting than not reacting enough so um, some observations about these protest groups uh, the impression I get from them is because uh, their signs will actually say it is that uh, um, a good percentage of them, a majority, I would venture to guess, maybe all are are 
folks that would probably vote for President Trump in the upcoming election. Okay, and he he's he's done uh, what I think is some some irresponsible behavior by by encouraging people to do what these people are doing. Okay, uh, you know, liberate Michigan, liberate Minnesota. That's it's he's encouraging them. Uh, they like let's get out from under this. Let's open up. Let's all get back to work. Again, I know it's easy for me to say I'm not on unemployment, but still. Um, so the observations that one is that that they all that a good number of them seem to think that uh, the president is a okay. Uh, next is that it's an awful lot of white people. I I look through a lot of images and and seen you know, that of of these protests and I. I could have missed them, but I don't see too many people of color in them. I can't even think of an image that has a person of color in it, you know, other than the color white. <laughs> That's just an awful lot of white people. An awful lot of white people. Uh, there has been some fun poked at them, uh, which I think some good points were made about the about these these the, at least a portion of these people. That uh, would be considered those uh, uh, preppers, you know, to survive should uh, anarchy reign, and these people have their survival gear and their, you know, their their uh, bottled water to last, you know, their canned foods to last, and their and their shelters. They have all this stuff ready. We're ready. We're survivalists, and we're ready. And isn't it interesting that these are the ones that cracked first under these quarantines and shelter at home and. Uh, of these measures taken to try to save lives, and and it is, as was explained by our governor here in Minnesota, uh, and I know I've talked about this before, the 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 goal, at least the governor was saying at some point, is not so much to flatten the curve, although that's hopeful. But he was at this at the point when he was announcing shutting down things, he he said that, you know flattening the curve is kind of past us now. What we need to do. What we're trying to do with this shutting everything down is to push the peak date as as far off into the future as we can, so that our 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 healthcare facilities, hospitals and clinics and such, can get prepared for the peak. You know, it's, and I I don't know if we've hit peak yet or or not, but I do know that Minnesota has done rather well when it comes to this virus. They've done, we've done really well. Uh, at some point, I don't know if it's the same case now, but at some point we were, and, and it's well enough along in this as, as well, at this point that I'm thinking of, it, it might still be the case right now, but uh, it was that uh, per capita, Minnesota had the lowest incidence of infection. You know, the infection rate was the lowest per capita. There are states that have uh, total numbers less than what we have, but when compared to the population of those states, uh, we still come under when you when you do the per capita thing. So we're doing fine. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, there's another observation, and this is, I'm going to step into some tricky territory here. But um, there's a number of these protesters that are holding up signs that'll say, my body, my choice. Which is the 
the pro-choice when it comes to the abortion debate, the pro-choice phrase, my body, my choice. Okay? So, if these folks here, these mostly white, if not all white, folks that are protesting the shutdowns are Trump supporters, most of them, if not all, and are would, would be considered the the Tea Party types, and I would imagine that a, 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 a very large percentage of them are also pro-life or anti-abortion. Now they're pro-choice. Oh, oh, okay, now you're pro-choice. You're not when it comes to abortion, but you are with this. And this is the thing. It isn't your choice. It isn't just your body. It's, it's the people that you're near. You know, you are near other people in these protests, or if you're not practicing social distancing, you're just going out and you just don't care. You can get this illness and not know you've got it, and you can be infecting others. It's that asymptomatic aspect of it. Uh, you know, it takes it takes time for the this illness to show up in people, and in that time, you can be infectious. And if you're not careful, you could be spreading it around. And all these people got together. In these huge groups, there's going to be somebody that's got it. In these in these groups around the country that showed up to protest this, and they are going to be spreading it to others. It's going to happen. And these people that came from, if you look at Michigan, and they they came from the outstate areas. I saw this argument or this observation made on the social media. They're they're coming from the more rural areas that haven't been affected as much. They're coming into these city urban areas these cities which have had the higher incident rates because there's more people more chances for the infection to get around they're coming in they're exposing themselves to, uh, to uh, these groups of people and somebody's go it's bound to have it these people might pick up the infection and then they go back to their rural area to, uh, where they live and probably still do not practice proper social distancing and they spread it over to there so scientists might be able to use these these protests to and, and the illnesses that will inevitably come from them to see well what would things be like if we open too soon what about the second wave what kind of data can we get from from this information and it's not your choice because if you're near somebody you know somebody else doesn't get the choice it's not just your body it's not just your you know your choice somebody else doesn't have their body can be infected by this and they didn't choose to have that happen and i and there was there's some arguments on facebook about you know our rights rights freedoms rights rights freedoms rights rights freedoms and yeah and i decided to because i had my time as being more conservative. From about 1995-ish, somewhere around there, through the early 2000s, I was a lot more conservative. And I heard some of the arguments that the conservatives were making. I would make some of the arguments that the conservatives were making. And I used, I thought, I'm going to tap back into that and, and mention some things to these conservative types now who just want to get back at it. And uh, I, you know, I said the phrase, um, my right to swing my fist ends at your nose. I mean, I can stand on a corner swinging, you know, with my arm extended out, you know, from my shoulder, you know, and with a fist at the end, and I can swing it in front of me and in back of me. I can go back and forth and back and forth. I can do that as much as I want. Cops not going to might give me a weird look, but I'm not 
I'm not doing it. I'm just, you know, I could be doing some weird exercise, right? But as soon as another person comes into my reach, if I hit them with my fist, then my right to swing my fist ends because I've violated the rights of somebody else, the right to, for another person not to be hit by me. And so I made this argument, and then somebody snapped back without any kind of you know, addressing the argument, and I just let them know. I said, you know, the argument I just used with you is an argument that I heard conservatives using in the 1990s when it came, if, if my memory is correct, when it came to abortion. Because what they would say is that baby that's being aborted, and that's how they, they, that they refer to it as a baby, those that are pro-choice tend, tend to call it a fetus. You know, those that are pro-life tend to call it a baby. Yeah, language, nuance. Yeah, so how do they look at things? Um, they would say that that baby, that that baby has a body, and it's not. You know, they didn't have a choice. That's how they would look at it. So this argument we made, your right to swing your fist, ends at somebody else's nose. Well, they would use that for that. And it kind of, I, I enjoy using some of the same arguments that was used by conservatives against the conservative ideas. Not saying that I'm not sympathetic with conservative thinking. I've got some, you know, we're all on a spectrum. You know, we're not, you know, most of us are. You know, we're not all liberal or all conservative. We're just, you know, we're, it depends. What are we talking about here? So I thought, what is an example of my body, my choice? Well, the one thing that I could come up with was uh, motorcycle helmet laws. Because, and I, people might be able to come up with some way that somebody not wearing a, a, a helmet um, versus somebody wearing a helmet can you know, change how they drive. If they wear a, you know, drive their motorcycle. If they're wearing a helmet, they might be a little more reckless because I, I'm protected by the helmet. If they're not, they might be a little more careful. Okay, but I'm not sure how big of a factor that would be. But the only person that's harmed from not, you know, directly harmed from not wearing a helmet is the person not wearing the helmet. That's, it's their body, it's their choice. If I want to ride my motorcycle without a helmet, wearing a t-shirt, short pants, and flip-flops, and believe me, I've seen people doing that. Well, my body, my choice. So that's an argument that can make sense. Now, and those people, and I know I've said this before on the show, those people that do ride their motorcycles without a helmet, t-shirt, short pants, and flip-flops, they are showing a couple of things. One, they have, the, they have an inflated idea of how good of a motorcycle handler they are. They think they're, they can handle any situation Weather condition, road condition, anything. They, they have a, a, a supremely high opinion of how they can handle their bikes. And they also have a great deal of faith in the other people on the road. <laughs> and that's, that's a little crazy in my thinking. Um, the other thing that I noticed about one picture... Uh, that uh, I'll put this stuff on the show notes page. You can go to dimland.com, click on the show notes option, and you'll find the show notes for this week's show. Uh, there's a picture that, that showed up. of uh, It's a young woman. She's holding the sign. It says, My Body, My Choice, Trump 2020. 
Now she's wearing uh, uh, you know aviator sunglasses. Uh, she's got a, a, a one of those uh, uh, like a baseball cap, uh, but it's she's wearing it backwards. She's got long hair. She's got a bandana around her neck, loosely hanging around her neck. And on the sign that she's it's a hand drawn thing. Uh, between the words, or the phrase "my body and my choice," there is the the big international no symbol. You know the circle with the slash, and it's 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 impo it's it's uh, drawn over a a mask, a surgical mask. So they're saying no masks. That's what she's saying. And I made this comment. I said the placard she's holding says no max no mask, but the bandana she's wearing says something different. Now, maybe she's just wearing it as a fashion choice, but I have a feeling that every now and then, if she's feeling people are getting a little too close to her, she might put it up over her face. Uh, maybe not. And she doesn't appear to be worried about hiding her identity because she's got it off for this picture. I don't know. So, <laughs> um, that's, that's as far as I'll go as far with the protesters and my observations there. Now, I'm going to go on to something else when I come back from my break. And I might seem to be jumping to the other side of the fence when I get to the other side of this break. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I shall return uh, shortly. I choose my friends far too well and up on the pavement. They're all down in the cellar with their golden grants And my IQ, they brought me down to size Academia Blue You're listening to Z-Talk Radio The number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. Oh, Lord, honey, can somebody tell me what my future holds? Hey, man, you think I can get a reading? Uh, Wrong answer. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Dr. Dim, Jim Fitzsimmons, only on Z-Talk Radio. Station identification. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Operating frequency on ztalkradio.com. Every day she takes a morning bath, she wets her hair Wraps a towel around her as she's heading for the bedroom chair It's just another day Slipping into stockings, stepping into shoes Dipping in the pocket of her raincoat It's just another day At the office where the papers grow, she takes a break and welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. How'd you like that extra long bumper to come back out of the break? 
Uh, I like that song so much. It brings me back, back to, you know, back to the 1970s BC, before COVID, uh, when that song came out. I think in 1971. It's Paul McCartney or Wings, whatever. Uh, just, just takes me back. Uh, okay, as I said, now I'm going to sound like I might be jumping to the other side of the fence. <laughs> Uh, with this, with with the whole COVID uh, situation. Uh, recently, Florida had decided to reopen the beaches. I know, I know. My initial reaction was that seems inadvisable. Um, I'm sure that, like me, most people especially those that uh, really took to uh, uh, social media to talk about how dumb this idea is, were picturing in their minds the, uh, the spring breakers. Remember this, the spring break took place? This was before the shutdown started to happen throughout the country or very early on in them. Uh, a bunch of you know, high school, college kids or whatever showed up in Florida on the beaches for their spring break. And, and much like... I expect in the protests, uh, the aftermath of the protesters, I expect to hear this happening any day now. Um, uh, and part of the reason why I can expect such a thing to happen is, is what happened with the spring break kids. They started getting sick because they weren't practicing social distancing. The infection's out there. The infection's very uh, efficient. It's not as efficient as uh, measles as getting around, but it gets around really well and better than the flu. Don't compare this to the flu unless you're saying it's so much more infective, uh, infectious than the flu. Okay, Unless you're saying that. And much more deadly than the flu. Unless you're saying that, then don't compare it. Um, so that's the initial impression when you start, you start seeing headlines. Uh, and what the hell is Florida doing? But, you know, tap the brakes a little. Tap them just a little. What Florida is doing is they are opening certain beaches. I don't think all of them throughout the whole state, but certain beaches. And they're opening them uh, at certain times of the day. Uh, each morning, the beaches open at 6 a.m. They close again at 11 a.m. So you get five, five hours in the morning. And then in the afternoon at 5 o'clock, they open up again and they stay open until 8 o'clock in the evening. So that's what's going on each day. It's So you get five hours in the morning, three hours in the evening. And there are other restrictions going on with, the, with these beach reopenings. Uh, there's to be no sunbathing, no towels or blankets for sunbathing. No chairs, no coolers, no grills, no groups of more than 10 people. And I will pause just there. It's, it's been pointed out, and I agree, it seems like an odd thing to say no groups more than 10 people, as if the, the virus will only spread in a group if it goes to 11, or starts at 11, and then goes up from there. Uh, that seems odd. Seems, <laughs> you know, seems odd. But I think this is following within the recommendations, the guidelines by the CDC. So, okay. But I would still advise against it. Um, there's no loitering, and they want you to follow the social distancing guidelines. 
you stay six feet apart. You know, the, the smaller groups, if you, you know, within a household group, that's fine. If you're all living in the same house, you know. Uh, and and the, they are opening the beaches for exercising. So what you can do is you can go for, you can go walking, you can go jogging, biking, uh, you can walk your dogs, uh, swimming, surfing. And I guess for those two, it's okay to have a towel. But, the, you know, but otherwise, that's, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, no playing volleyball, no playing frisbee, no hacky sacking. The kids are still doing that, I don't know. None of that. There was something called pickleball. I've never heard of pickleball. I don't know what that is, but you can't do that. <laughs> Whatever pickleball is, I'll look it up. I'll find out at some point. So that's the deeper I looked into it. And, and there was a post shared that uh, links to the Huffington Post. And the 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 preview image is of uh, you know what what looks at at a cursory glance a fairly crowded beach and the headline is people make mad dash to Florida Beach that reopened amid coronavirus pandemic seems like a little loaded in that phrase mad dash and the mad dash is in quotes uh, when you read the article you will see that there's a reporter for CNN that was saying that used the term mad dash and and that reporter was talking about how people were waiting for five o'clock to come they're waiting outside the beach in the parking lots or whatever they're waiting and then once the beach opened they all went in in a mad dash and I I looked at that and, I, and it, it's it's weird and I couldn't find it I still can't find it there's a um, sorry, I was looking at the time. There's a uh, there was a, a video piece that was shared on Facebook uh, that it has a fellow uh, presenting how photographs can lie, and how a photographer, depending on how he wants to 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 or she wants to present a story, uh, you know, and and they were using exactly this idea. And this is before this story came out. This is before the beaches opened up. If you want to show someplace looking like it's crowded, and it's not very crowded, you you can you know the photographer can find a place to position themselves to take the picture and use a specific lens. My friend Craig, who is a photographer, understands camera equipment and lenses and all that. He said it's a telephoto lens. Use that. It will make it look as though the people are much closer to each other than they really are. And that's what's going on here in this one particular picture that's put on there. There's also something, if you look at this picture, you will notice there's no towels, no blankets, no chairs, no grills. There's no coolers. People all seem to be on the move. Nobody's playing any games or, you know, volleyball or something like that. They, they all look as though they're walking in various directions. And if you look even closer... You can see that, especially the farther back in, in, in space that the photograph goes, you can see that there seems to be more beach around the people that you can see. And even in the ones closer to you, it's like, you know, that person, this woman in the center of the picture, she does seem, you know, she seems to have plenty of room to herself. And there's a, there's a, there's a young fellow to her left that seems to be walking on his own. There's a couple to her right that seem to be together, but they seem to have plenty of space. And there's people behind us. There seem, if you're, if you're looking closely enough, you'll say, yeah, they're, they're much farther back than it might seem at first glance. So I deem the photograph to be misleading and the headline to be 
loaded, loaded language to, to spin a narrative a certain way. But to be fair to the Huffington Post, I did look at the article, read, read it, uh, before it just devolved into a bunch of tweets. I can't stand news articles that just devolve into a bunch of tweets. Now, I don't mind a couple few being done, but if it's, you know, you get a couple paragraphs written by the, by the reporter or whoever's writing the article, you get a couple, three, four par paragraphs written by them, then the rest of it is tweets, 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 tweets. You know, it's like that's, you know, write some news. <laughs> you know? Um, anyway, uh, there's a whole bunch of pictures in there. And some of them are taken from different angles. And you think, well, it looks a little more crowded in that picture. Okay. And there does there's a couple pictures where people are playing volleyball or something like it on the beach. Uh, and they say, okay, there's law enforcement there. I'm, I hope that law enforcement gets over to these people and says, no, 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 you can't play that. You have to just you have to keep on the move. There's no, this, this isn't allowed here on the beach. You have to keep on the move. So what we're doing is we're relying on people, Florida's relying on people to follow the rules. And if enough of them do, if most of them do, which it certainly seems like they are, at least this one picture, they all seem like they're following the rules. Well, I'm not all that bothered by it. I don't think it's that crazy. Here in Minnesota, where, you know, where we, have, as I've already said, we've done well when it comes to this virus. We've, our parks have been open throughout. Now, I've heard of stories about, I think, uh, New Hampshire or something. Uh, you know, people were overusing the parks. They were too crowded, so they had to shut them down because it was just, it was just too crowded. Like, people couldn't do the six-feet distancing. But here in Minnesota, you know, it's, it's, things have been fine. Parks have been open. Um, I'm sure there's been instances where people are doing things that they're not supposed to be doing in the, in the park. But the park that's right down near where I live... As you walk along the path, every now, every few yards, there's a sign set there that's saying, you know, uh, be safe, uh, practice social distancing, stay six feet away. Just, you know, it's, that's not saying you can't use this park. It's just saying, here are the guidelines when you use the park. The governor had said, go out for a walk, go out for a drive, practice social distancing. So I'll, I'll link to both so you can figure it out and see what you think. Uh, yes, I do have time. But uh, as, as, I, as I said, uh, Minnesota is, uh, is doing well uh, with regard to uh, the, the virus, which brings up... And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Well... It ought to be quick. Uh, there's a podcast I listen to called uh, The Greatest Generation. Uh, there's two young fellows that host that show. What they do is they review each episode of, uh, of Star Trek. Uh, they start with The Next Generation, and they've gone through every episode of that, and now they're deep into Deep Space Nine. They're well into that series, Deep Space Nine. It's a funny show. The guys are enjoyable. Humor gets a little sophomoric, but you know it's 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 fun. Um, it's, I've been listening to it for so long. There's so many inside jokes in that. If you start at the beginning, you'll you'll be able to get it and, and things like that. But uh, no, they haven't done exclusively the original series yet. But they have uh, another podcast that they do that focuses on the Star Wars shows that you have to pay to see. 
on television, so I haven't watched any of them. Um, and every now and then they throw in a review of an original episode, an original series episode. Well, they say something on that show that would be... Just, what the hell? Why do they keep saying that? They would, they would drop this phrase, W slash R slash T. And I'd be like, what? what? What does that mean? And I'd try to figure out what it meant within the context of what they were saying. They would say it a, a lot, and I'd just let it go by. And it's a W slash R slash T. So I was like, oh, finally I decided, okay, I'm going to look this up. Now I assume the slash means, you know, the backslash symbol on the keyboard. W R T letters. Okay, so I looked up what does W slash R slash T mean? It means with regard to. That's what it means. Now in texting, it's faster to just text a W, a slash, an R, a slash, and a T. It's quicker. It's like doing BRB for be right back. It's quicker. Alright? Alright? You know, the LOL for laugh out loud. It's quicker than actually writing it out. Except I never use the LOL thing. I don't know why. I just don't. Okay, so in texting, it makes sense. In speaking, W slash R slash T has more syllables than with regard to. With regard to is four syllables. W slash R slash T is seven. It's quicker to just say with regard to than it is to say the other thing. I'm not going to say it again. <laughs> okay, what are you going to do? It's their thing. It's, it's just a thing. And it's the, with the kids. And, you know, they have their thing. I have a thing, and that's called my next break. I will head to that, and I'll be back with more Dimland Radio. This is sex. What? We give those other guys the finger. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. The Earth is only 6,000 years old. That's what Answers in Genesis and the Creation Museum say, and how can a museum be wrong? Isn't Dr. Oz just wonderful? I love today's episode. It didn't talk down to his adoring audience of women at all. Science has proved that the subatomic quantum realm is as real as it is counterintuitive and bizarre. Therefore, I can use it to support quantum healing and quantum consciousness. After all, how can journals like Aquarius Metaphysics be wrong? Evolution is just a theory. After all, if we came from monkeys, then why are there still monkeys? We all have friends and family who believe these things and much more. Well, if you're a rational thinker who is tired of arguing on social media and never getting anywhere, we have a solution for you. Join the Gorilla Skepticism and Wikipedia team 
and we will teach you how to add reliable scientific and skeptical information to the world's number one source of information, Wikipedia. We write new articles and improve existing ones. We remove pseudoscience, paranormal, and ultimate claims substituting the actual facts. And we operate in many languages. We've already reached tens of millions of people searching for information, but as you can imagine, we can never do enough. So please, join us. All you need is a PC and the desire to help educate the planet. In fact, you'll be educating the world while you sleep. Contact us at gsowteam at gmail.com. Guerrilla Skepticism. The time is, is now. now. Music by purpleplanet.com. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. back to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Okay, two segments of COVID-19 is enough. Now we need a segment of baseball. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's supposed to be the baseball scene right, right now. I mean, Craig, keep listening. Please, please keep listening. You might find this interesting. <laughs> uh, oops, sorry, I kicked the table. Uh... I, I, I know Craig doesn't particularly care for baseball talk. Anyway, what are you going to do? Um, it should be the season, but because of uh, because of the thing, you know, uh, it's not happening right now. They're trying to figure it out. When things might start, don't know. So I um, I've been uh, uh, um, trying to you know keep a little baseball in my life. And I bought this book. I, I saw that it existed. I'm not sure. I, I guess it was on Facebook. Some somebody somehow I saw this, and I said, "Hey, I think I'd like to read that book." And I went to Amazon and I read through the preview. You know, they like to give a little segment of the book. So, oh, this seems kind of interesting. Okay, I want this book. And the book uh, ended up costing six dollars and sixty-six cents. Hail Satan, huh? So uh, I ordered it, and I got it this week. And it's called Down to the Last Pitch. How the 1991 Minnesota Twins and Atlanta Braves gave us the best World Series of all time. It's written by Tim Wendell. It was published in 2014. So this is, this is well after the fact of the, of the uh, series. And uh, this writer... Is, is after, I don't know, 20-plus years, 23 years, still calling it the best World Series ever. All time. All right, and so the book is written um, where each game gets its own chapter. And the fellow in here will tell stories that are, you know, it's not just each chapter is just, you know, minute detail of the entire inning. It's giving the flavor of the inning and some of the big stuff that happened in it. But but he will use certain aspects of that inning to go and talk about other 
you know, history of baseball, history of the players on either team, um, some related things to, uh, to, you know, something that happened in the game, and he'll just to fill out a chapter. And it's very interesting. He writes it really well. It's, I've been enjoying this. And he tells this story of, uh, uh, because uh, something happened in, in, in a couple of the ball games that the Twins and the Atlantas played uh, in that World Series where there was a collision at home plate. That is, there's certain rules have changed a bit since then, but you know, it, it's, it's, it was within the rules that the catcher, if he, get, he fields the ball, he needs to tag out the base runner. The base runner can barrel into the, uh, the, the catcher to, try, to attempt to knock the ball out of his, you know, just to get the catcher to drop the ball. And if he can get to the plate before the catcher gets the ball back and gets a tag on him, you know, um, that's allowed. And so the, the, the author tells the, briefly tells the story about to Pete Rose in an all-star game in which Pete Rose uh, crashed into the catcher and broke the guy's shoulder. And it's like, come on, Pete. It's just, it's an exhibition game. What the hell are you doing? But that's the kind of player he was. He was very intense, very driven. And uh, it's the kind of player he was. And some people who are big fans of Pete Rose think that it was fine. Those that aren't so much fans of Pete Rose think, you know, settle down. You know, anyway. But there was another play that had something similar happen. Except it ended up being one of the most unusual double plays ever turned in baseball. Uh, this took place on July 9, uh, eight, 1985. Uh, okay. It's for those of you who don't know baseball, uh, the there are nine players on the field. You know, uh, do, When the defense has the field, you know, there's nine players out there. And each player position has a number. Not the number on the uniform, but the number of the position. So the numbers of the position go like this. Pitcher is number one. Catcher number two. First base is number three. Second base is number four. Third base is number five. Shortstop is six. Left field, seven. Center field, eight. Right field, nine. That's how they're numbered. So that when people are keeping score in their little books, they can write the numbers of the you know, position plays and stuff like that. And a double play is when you have a man on base and there's less than uh, there's less than two outs. You have a man on first base, usually first base. Uh, the hitter hits the ball, and it it uh, kind of it's a ground ball. That means it hits the ground before it gets to the fielder. And the fielder gets the ball, throws on to second base, where the guy that was on first is running to. Fellow covering second base, touches, catches the ball, touches the base. That fellow that was on first that's running the second is out. And then that the defensive player throws the ball to first base. If the ball gets to the first baseman, he catches it and has the bag tagged before the hitter gets to the bag. That's another out. It's a double play. The most common double play is a 4-6-3 a, a, a double play. That means second base gets the ball, fields the ball, throws to 
the second baseman throws to the shortstop, gets the first out. Shortstop throws to first, gets the second out. That's the most common, a 4-6-3 double play. There are others, and this one is nuts. This one's nutty. <clears throat> Let's see. In this ballgame between the Toronto Blue Jays and the Seattle Mariners, there was a man on first. The hitter hits the ball. It gets through the infield, goes past the second baseman, goes out into right field. The, the right fielder throws the ball. Uh, uh, no, there was a man on second. Sorry. There was a man on second. The right fielder throws the ball to home plate because the man on second is trying to get to home. He's gonna, by the time the ball gets to um, the, uh, the right fielder, that man that was on second is already getting to third base, and he can, he can try to beat out the throw and throw and, and score the run. So he's running it, but the ball gets to the catcher, a fellow named Buck Martinez. The catcher catches the ball, so now we got a collision at plate, at home plate is going to take place. So I don't, I don't remember who the runner was, but he barrels into Martinez. Martinez holds the ball. He's got the tag on the guy. The guy's out. But the thing is, the collision was so hard uh, that they, you know they fall over each other. The catcher, his 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 right leg, his foot twists and breaks his ankle in the process. But the guy's out. Now, the guy that hit the ball, he's taking the, that opportunity. He's already he's gone to second. He could have just stayed there. He'd have been safe at second. But he's taking this opportunity, that collision to play. He thinks, oh, I think I can take third base. So he starts to run the third. The catcher, the ball is still there next to him. He's laying on the ground. His head toward first uh, to home plate, his feet out toward third base. He he sees that the guy's trying to take third base, so he gets he sits up. He can't get up because he can't. He's got a broken ankle. He sits up. He grabs the ball and from a seated position he throws it to third base. Except he misses the third baseman and it goes out into left field. Well, the runner sees this and decides, okay, I'm gonna try to score. I'm going to get I'm going to try and score at home. So he starts to run home. Left fielder gets the ball, throws it to the catcher who is sitting on the ground. The ball gets to the catcher just as the runner is getting by. The catcher he he fields the ball, tags the runner. He's out. It's a double play. It's a I wrote down the numbers. It's a 9-2-7-2 double play. It was astounding. It was one of the most bizarre things in baseball. <laughs> um, so, uh, it, it's anyway. <laughs> it's just I just I'm just thinking about it because uh, I saw the footage. I will link to it so you can you can watch this play unfold. Um, he, so, uh, it, and it and and. Of course, it happened to the Seattle Mariners. For the Seattle Mariners was a team that came into existence in the 1970s. In 1970 was their first season, I believe, and um, they had a uh, an, their their early years for I mean, a decade more. They just really for 15 years or something. They just really couldn't do anything. They had 
barely little signs of life here and there, but it, they were just hapless. And like, of course, this freakish double play in which the opposing catcher has a broken ankle is still able to get two outs. It's that that could only happen to the Mariners. Yeah, that's just that's just how they were. And there's a um, there's a documentary series on YouTube where uh, a couple of uh, um, you know filmmakers they, they they use a lot of computer graphics to put these things together. Uh, they do these pieces. They run from 20 minutes to to 30 minutes or so, um, and they're doing a series on the Seattle Mariners. And part of what I, uh, um, you know, part, uh, where this, this series takes place, uh, they, of course, it's the Seattle Mariners. And the story I just related to you about that double play, I read about in this book, Down to the Last Pitch. I read it this past Wednesday night. Earlier that evening, my son texted me about this series about the Seattle Mariners on YouTube. And these guys do a bunch of other sports-related series like this. He said, I think you'll like this. So he, he texted me a link to it. I said, well, I'll check it out when I can. And so that night I read the book, read about that crazy double play. I said, all right. So the next day I go to work. And because it's pretty quiet at the office and all that, I do have time to sort of putz around. And so I called up this the text that my son sent me. I start watching this this show uh, or this this documentary they do, and I'm going through. There's six parts to it. The first four parts are available. The next two they're still working on, and I can't remember which part it is, but I'm watching that, and they they start talking about this. This only to the Mariners, only to Seattle. Could something like this happen? And they show that exact double play that I had just read about the night before. Hadn't heard about it, didn't know about it. I see that on there, and about halfway through it, they say, the guy broke his ankle. And I went, what, bro broke ankle? Collision? What? Huh? And, oh my God, I'm perking up and look at this. And, he's, and I went, hey! That's the play I just read on the sh uh, last night. That's the that's the thing I just saw that. Why? I mean, I just read about it. <laughs> that was cool. <laughs> I mean, it's a coincidence. Coincidences happen. They just do. Some of them are really cool. Of all the things that happen every day to every person on this planet. So many things are happening to us that certain things are going to line up. And it's like, oh, and and it doesn't mean it's mystical. Doesn't mean that uh, the, that Mars is in retrograde or or whatever. It doesn't mean anything. It's just it's just a coincidence. And in this case, it was one really, really, particularly cool coincidence. Uh, and I liked it, and I hope you did too. Good night, Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. Okay, I've come to the end of another show. Uh, you've been uh, listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I'm reminding you that you, uh, well, 
Don't panic. Wash your hands. Stay home. Stay safe. And by all means, sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks, thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, well I'm going to hell. hell.